If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA Podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA Podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 336 of the Severe MMA Podcast. And it's a special episode, not the longest episode in the world today. It's a slightly interim episode, but not really, because we're going to look ahead to the huge UFC 268 card uh, this weekend, which goes down between Cameron Usman and Kobe Covington in the main event, and loads of more stuff too. And you know what? I have a first-time ever guest on the podcast this week. I will let you know who that is, but first I must tell you about our sponsors for this episode of the podcast, and that is BetUS. So go to severemay.com forward slash BetUS. The betting season is, at the moment is in full force over in America. The NFL is back, NHL, NBA. Um, the, the the playoffs are fast approaching. You need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. You all may already know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. That is BetUS.com, and they have loads of bonuses. Join now or call 800-69-BETUS. That's 800-MY-BETUS. If you are in the US or Canada, this is open for you. You'll receive 125% sign-up bonus by using the code SEVEREMMA. Or if you go to uh, SEVEREMMA.com forward slash BETUS, it'll take you right there and use that code SEVEREMMA as well if you're there. They have re-up and referral bonuses also. BetUS is known as America's favorite sports sports book for a lot of reasons. BetUS is all your NBA and NHL games with team and player props and loads of NFL futures and NFL odds up already. You can bet UFC matches and props, PGA golf and round matchups and live betting on most sports, including the golf and Bellator UFC. Loads of stuff they have the odds coming up for this weekend uh, as well. Uh, it has races for your horse racing, casino, and all of that stuff. So follow my lead and get your phone. Go online and start betting with BetUS. It's our sports betting partner with integrity and longevity. Bet like I did. You bet, you win, you get paid with BetUS. So go to severemeh.com forward slash BetUS. You'll get a 125% sign-up bonus to bet on your UFC, Bellator, and everything else. Open to everyone, as I mentioned, in the US and Canada. And speaking of Canada, today joining me on the podcast is the legend all the way over in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. It's Kilkenny's own, the finest. Uh, I was going to say no one has uh, won as many hurling all Ireland's on the podcast as you before, but uh, you know I'm prime up there now. You know, so <laughs> at this stage, okay, okay, okay. it's it's you, Daddy Lee. And how are you today? I'm doing fantastic, Sean. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. Not a bother. Not a bother at all. If people only listen to the the main, uh, is this the first time on the main podcast? I think it is, isn't it? The only- yeah, I think yeah, the the um, the stabilizers has gone off the bike now. I'm out on my own. Um, up on the big podcast, started from the bottom. Now we're here. Oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> if, if the mangy people haven't signed up for Patreon yet, they don't know you yet. So it's uh, if you haven't signed up for Patreon, Patreon.com forward slash Superman podcast we have loads of podcasts over there actually we're like fucking full-time co-hosts now a podcast so we're yeah well. you're probably sick of listening to me if you're signed yeah. up to Patreon, but <laughs> if you're on Patreon, just fucking turn this off now because but that's big debate. i call it patreon all the time do you call it patreon or patreon i, I call patreon. it i call it patreon i heard the first one i heard calling it patreon was uh philip o'connor when he came on i was like wait have i been saying it wrong the whole time <laughs> so i i yeah there was a big debate on the on the twitter group about whether what we should be calling it, yeah. but I, I don't know. I just call whatever rolls off the tongue. Yeah, the the, the most important thing is to know how to spell it, know how to go over there, and know how to sign up. So exactly, uh, do it, lads. Do it. Actually, oh god, what day is this out? So from the, the I think this is out. We're recording this a little bit early, obviously, because I'm heading up to Dublin. 
Um, but the I think by now already the podcast is out with uh, with Owen Roddy over on Patreon. Uh, so uh, this it's coming out on the first of November, which whether that was yesterday, I think possibly when you're listening to this. But every Wednesday from next Wednesday on until Christmas, I think there will be a new podcast uh, with. Uh, Irish MMA legends down through the years Graham has interviewed all of them they're already in the books they're already I think there's six of them already done and hopefully one or two more uh, coming along the way as well so starting off with Owen Roddy already up on Patreon and those are the sort of things you'll be able to listen to forever so that's that's my uh, my pitch for Patreon Graham has finally done got up off his fucking arse and done some work so fair <laughs> but, uh, and we, look we have shows over there as well not to, not to sell everything but The Contender we talked about Seattle Gagne last week and we talked about Leon Edwards we have loads of other shows as well and myself and Harry doing Speaker's Corner. So Patreon is it's actually brilliant. Honestly, I know I'm biased, but it's it's really good. But it anyway. is for just five five dollars a month or whatever a pint. If you're up at Bellator and you're wanting to buy Sean or Andy or any Graham or anyone a pint, go and buy the Patreon instead. Yeah, I'm sure they'll be more grateful of that rather than a pint. Oh, I'll take the pint as well, But anyway, right, let's get into this UFC two six eight card. And look, it's a fucking smashing card, let's be honest here. Um it, it, you know it has everything that we would want. It has title fights with big meaning, rematches in both of them with big meaning. It has a huge, brilliant fight in one of the best divisions in the UFC. It has UFC legends on it. It is really good up and comers, and it has the Irish up and comer as well on it. For us, uh, I almost called you Graham there, Ian. What a, what a what a card! I'm really looking forward to this. It's a busy week. I got to be uh, half asleep on my way down from Dublin, but what a, what a card this is! Unbelievable. I mean, we're really being spoiled for action now with the free card that went on at two six seven, and uh, this one two six eight is a and the Madison Square Gardens UFC always brings it, and this is not this is one that you're not going to want to miss as well. I mean, you like you said it, everybody is uh, looking forward to the debut of Ian Gary. Got two title fights. We've got Justin Gaethje versus Michael Chandler, which is going to be a barn burner. Lots of good fights from top to bottom. Lots of good up-and-coming fight, fighters on the undercard as well. So I'm really looking forward to this card as well. Let, let's kick it off all together. You mentioned Ian Gary there. Um, and, you know, I, I spoke to Ian the other day. Uh, well, I suppose it's, it's nearly three weeks ago now, I suppose, for sure, dog, but it came out. And um, he seemed in very good spirits, obviously, with the, the new gym over in Sanford MMA, uh, having left uh, Team KF before the week, literally 10 days before his, his last fight. Um, and he seems to have bedded in there now. I know he was in Vegas as well for a time before he went there and after he went there as well. And when I spoke to him, maybe it was probably three weeks ago, I suppose, at this stage, he was he was in Vegas. Um he's fighting Jordan Williams, you know, who's a UFC veteran with a few fights. Not the best fighter in the world, you know. I went to, I watched a, a bit of him before I spoke to Ian, and I don't think he is, like, the, the best athlete or hits the hardest or is the best at anywhere, to be honest. He's not, he's not great. I think Ian will have a big advantage. Maybe we'll get to the fight in a second. But on, on Ian himself, what are you, what are you hoping for from here? Because, like, there's been a lot of changes for Ian Gary over the last while, haven't there? Yeah, there surely has. Like, I mean... What am I hoping for? Um, I'm excited to see, and I'm hoping to see, you know, Ian Gary is a guy who will be looking to level up moving over to Sanford MMA. Like, it's a fantastic gym with some fantastic fighters in there. And, you know, the classic saying, iron sharpens iron. Well, he, there's plenty of iron around that gym. And I'm excited to see what Ian Gary brings to the table. Uh, he looked very calm, very confident, as always, when he was speaking with you on Sherdog. And I'm just, I'm curious to see, and maybe we might not see too much, but I'm curious to see if he brings anything different to the table. Uh, you know, he's been working with Henry Hooft. He's been doing some uh, wrestling with Michael Chandler. So um, I'm expecting to come, I'm expecting Ian Gary to go in there and probably get the job done within one round one or round two it'll be interesting to see how he handles the whole ufc experience having not been at a ufc event before this will be the first time he gets to experience it and and, and reese mckee did that the, the exact same thing when he made his ufc debut it'll be interesting to see how he handles that but you know the mental side of things for Ian Gary, I think nothing will phase him. I know he had a, a a bumpy road en route to winning his Cage Warriors title, and and he handled all that excellently, and as we've seen in the in the documentary as well. So, I mean, I think that this he wants to create this 
um, he wants to be the talking point really of this whole pay-per-view and it'll be interesting to see what kind of performance he produces uh, and I was ex- I would expect him to be very successful in this fight. Yeah, I, I would agree and I think you make a good point there as well about the mental side of it because I think that would be a big part of it coming in here because, you know, sometimes... Uh, Sometimes you can convince yourself that you're the best, but sometimes you can convince yourself that you're not the best as well. And uh, you know, Ian Gary's always been on the, the right side of that, a hundred percent. But I think, and that maybe you know, I don't. I, what I just said there, I don't mean that for Ian Gary. But what I do mean for it is all the changes that have been made. How that mental focus of his. Uh, was affected by it like if, if he got done, if he got into it straight away if he had any reservations or anything and when I spoke to him I don't think he had any but that was still only like four weeks out from the fight so that's you know it's been a rocky I suppose few months coming into this fight now if he goes in there and wins this and moves on you know there's I don't think there's really any questions over it but all those questions will be answered if there are any but when anyone makes those big like Ingari didn't just move Jim, right? Let's say Ingari moved from Team KF to SBG or he moved to uh, to Team Rhino. You know, he'd still be living in his own house. He'd still be able to visit his friends. He'd still have his, you know, his girlfriend. He'd still be able to go playing golf and, or pitch and put or whatever the fuck he's doing. Now he's moved up and he's gone and he's left everyone, left all his friends, left all his family and everything and gone over to Florida. And it's, it's all new and a new gym and new training partners and a higher level of training partner and... Uh, no, in uh, no disrespect to anyone else in Team KF, but Ian Gary was number one, and we all know that. You know, we all know Ian Gary was number one there. Over in over in Sanford MMA, he is one of their best up and comers, make no doubt about it. But you know, he's he was telling me there he met uh he met Rory McDonald and he said, Oh, your fight with Robbie Lawler was one of my favourite fights ever. And then two seconds later he met Robbie Lawler. He's like, Oh, your fight with Rory McDonald was one of my favourite fights ever. That's the level of fighter that's over there. They have Jason Jackson, Mike and Ch- Michael Chandler, who you just mentioned as well, and others. He's he's no long, longer that guy. So that adjustment to be number one to, to, to being just like the next UFC fighter to have is a big adjustment for him to make as well. So it'll be interesting to see if that has kind of bred him a new hunger or if it hasn't. And now I, I, I would uh, lean on the good side of it. But uh, big, big, uh, a big, big fight for Ian Gary. And your point also as well, that this is the first time he's ever been at a UFC event. I think that's a mistake. I really do. Uh, I think it was a mistake for Reese McKee as well. And I know it's kind of cool. It's like, oh, I've never been at a UFC before. I'm like, I... I I'm someone who needs to know what I'm doing, needs to see where I'm going, needs to... If I, I'm not comfortable unless I visit a place about 10 times and then I'm kind of comfortable there, you know? And even with the tree arena, I've covered probably 10 cards there now at this stage. Now I kind of know the place around there, but before that, I didn't really, you know? And you felt a little bit uncomfortable there. I think the the surroundings and knowing the surroundings make you a little bit more comfortable. And, you know, I, I, I think that's a mistake, but everyone's not the same and... Uh, Look, we will uh, we will see how it goes from. I know he's been to other events and everything like that, so maybe it won't make too much of a difference. But look, if I suppose the uh, Jordan Williams fine, I've discussed it a little bit what Jordan Williams is like. But I think we should stick to Ian Gary because this is an Irish MMA podcast, and maybe people are listening to this to to want to know what Ian Gary is like. And I'll give you a quick explanation, and and you can give one to Ian as well. Uh, look, Ian Gary is a really, really good athlete, really good technical fighter, a guy who has improved from a very good amateur base through his pro career to be a Cage Warriors welterweight champion to get here. He's big, strong, has a beautiful jab, lovely high kicks, hits really hard. He went on the ground with Jack Grant in his last fight, a, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, who I know a lot of our friends over in the UK are talking about how good he is on the ground, and Ian Gary made it look very very easy and not not he didn't go out and just take him down and destroy him or destroy him jiu-jitsu wise but he he didn't look out of place in by any stretch of the imagination he's good ever he has takedowns he can you know he's good uh ground uh, control good on top good ground and pound as well he really he really has it all Ian Gary and it's just these changes are the only questions for him at the moment but as a fighter Ian he is really good isn't he he is really good. Like I mean, any any of the fights, and we've we've been watching him from the very start. Um, and any test that he has had, and he's had some pretty good tests throughout his career so far. He's just passed them all with flying colors, uh, taking out former UFC vets, uh, coming in injured, winning that title. 
um, you know, the mental aspect of, of mixed martial arts is so important. And, and for fighters going in into the cage, they have to be truly mentally strong. And that's one thing that Ian Gary is. And that will definitely stand to him. The belief that that man has in himself and the willingness to win and, and, and the fact that he just, I, you know, we've not seen him with his back against the wall yet, but from what I've seen so far, I reckon Ian Gary is a guy who would refuse to lose. And, you know, that's a very important aspect in mixed martial arts as well. And I'm really excited to see, like, I mean, I don't think that we're necessarily going to go see a, a completely different fighter here. You know, he hasn't been with Sanford all that much, but what they will have done is cleaned up what he has already had. Um, we're working with somebody like Henry Hooft. You know, you can only imagine that his striking is going to be a little bit more crisper. His takedown defense is going to be so much better going in against high, high level grapplers as well. And and I mean, it's all it's all set up for him to to put on a show here. He that's what he wants to do, and he wants to have everybody talking about him. Um, and he's managed to do that in almost every fight that he's fought so far. So it'll be interesting now. He's in with the big boys. He's in with UFC. He's in with a lot of high profile names, and there's going to be a lot more high profile fights on this card as well. And I'm super curious to see how Ian Gary handles the situation. And and I'm I'm really excited to see him perform. I'm really excited for the future of Ian Gary. No pun intended. But, ah, that was a good um, one. Now. That was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, uh, he left some jobs sticking out in this card though, because it's very good. But I'll, uh, it's great to just see an Irish lad back. You know, we were supposed to have Dean <clears> Barry, and that didn't work out. I don't know what he's doing. Though he's fighting in Titan. He said, I think. Um, so I don't know if that lever happened. Now Conor McGregor is away. Is he fighting Max Holloway? <laughs> Who knows? Well, we don't know. You're you're trying to set that I, one I, up, I, aren't Shani, you? Yeah. Shani Shelby over here. They're calling me now over <laughs> our own place. But yeah, you, well, you know, Irish MMA in general is 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 kind of sparking back to life. We're, is, yeah. we're seeing some we're seeing some events back home, and we're, there's more in the works for the coming months as well. You know, Ian Gary is in, in, he's starting his UFC tenure now. And, and you know, it's an exciting time for Irish MMA. And, and it'll be great to see Ian getting in there, performing, getting to see him in the UFC kit. Um, he deserves to be there. He And he has a very, very bright future in the UFC. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how it all unfolds. Me too, 100%. Uh, on the undercard as well, there, there are some very good fights. I really like Phil Hawes versus Chris Curtis. Uh, Alexa Kaymore mm-hmm. is on this undercard against John Allen John Valente against Chris Barnett now that has <laughs> <Darn> burner <laughs> that has Caposa written all over it that has fucking Insaniac written all over it that's just that fight is not going to be you know TJ Dillashaw against Cody Garbrandt you know, it's it's not going to be your your typical uh, t- tactical technical fight. This is going to be two lads throwing fucking bombs at each other, getting probably really tired after about six minutes and having a terrible last like, however, uh, what nine minutes to the fight. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> I, can't, yeah, I cannot that's, wait. That's what you want to see in a heavyweight fight. I mean, <laughs> two boys that are going to go and try to take the heads off each other probably for the first round. And then if they're not able to do it, they're probably going to get really tired. And then we're, anything could happen where it yeah. just can take one punch. <laughs> probably, we're, I reckon I reckon coming into if 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 this if this fight reaches the third round, I reckon we're going to be seeing two boys with no hands up just kind of throwing heavy bombs in spells. And 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 those are the kind of fights. No, you don't want to be watching those kind of fights in a row or too many of them, of course, but yeah. I definitely take one every now and again. And that's that's the beauty or the ugliness, if you want to call it, of the heavyweight division. Obviously, on this card as well, a big standout is Alex Pereira taking on Andreas uh, Mikelidis. Uh, who, you know, Mikelidis is a good fighter coming out of, uh, where's he coming out of Greece? I think he beat KB Fuller uh, in his last fight. He f- people probably remember him. He fought uh, Modest- fought against uh, Modestus Bukowskis as well. But Alex Pereira, he he's the guy who knocked out Israel Adesanya, isn't he? He is the mm-hmm. one everyone is excited. All the footboxing people are very excited about. He's only 3-1, but with that level of striking, something to be excited about, isn't it? 
Yeah, it, very, it really is. I, there's nothing that I enjoy more than a really, really great striker coming into MMA and watching them strike with the four ounce gloves. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he makes that transition. You know, um, you've heard fighters coming over from boxing or maybe kickboxing and Thai boxing uh, expressing the difficulties in distance control and uh, the way you hold your guard. You know, in comparison to some someone like who's a, someone who would be a boxer or maybe a kickboxer where you would have a tendency to keep your guard up a little bit higher. Well, in mixed martial arts, you can't really afford that all that much because you need to kind of have it in a middle ground to kind of try and defend yourself against any takedowns. And I would be expecting that, that that's what Alex Pereira is going to have to do eventually in this fight because uh, I'm not sure that Michaelidis is going to want to stand and bang with uh, a guy as, as as good a striker as Alex Pereira in this fight. But it's it the, the UFC have matched it well. I mean, Michaelidis is known for standing and banging, and and he's known for for exciting fights. So it'll be interesting to see if he does stand and bang. And I mean, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that he won't get the win either. I mean, you look at someone like Tyron Spong who got, came in there and got knocked out against Khalil Roundtree, which was a big shock to everybody, but that stuff can happen in MMA and it'll be interesting to see how, how Alex Pereira has made that transition at three and one. And, and, you know, there's no real, real easy fights inside the UFC. These things happen in MMA. It's, it's absolutely <laughs> true. And, it is. Uh, and in the middleweight division as well, this is a, an odd fight for me. Uh, Edmund Shabazian is fighting uh, Nasaridin oh, Imavov, whose name I always fuck up. But he beat Ian Heinish in his last fight. You know, who's a who's a good fighter. Okay, he lost to Phil Haas, but he's win over Jordan Williams. And he has, what, two, two, and, two and one in the UFC. Shabazian, like, it's an interesting move. It's a very interesting move because Shabazian, having lost his last two, you know, lost badly to uh, to Brunson and then lost to Hermanson as well in that crazy fight. Um, after going ten and on, I know he beat Brad Tavares and Jack Marshman and and some good people, Darren Stewart, you know, to go seven and on. Yeah, I just feel like right, a, a little bit like Aaron Pico. Shabazian is his age here. What age? He's only twenty three still. He came into the UFC. He was very young. Obviously a top prospect, um, like Aaron Pico, right? I was a, a really very, a very, very good fighter. And he had setbacks, and he had big setbacks. And he was, in, in, a, in a way, kind of showing up for deficiencies in his game, big deficiencies in his game. I think at that point, you move him backwards. And like, sometimes because someone is ranked, or because they're right up there, and people think they are this... They can't move him back too far. But I don't believe in that in MMA. I think, and having spoken, you know, to, to Peter Creed the other day, and obviously that fight has happened now. We don't know the result of that fight yet. But I spoke to him and he was talking about like, look, I got to this because I proved it. And I beat this guy and this guy and this guy. And I think that's a fine way to go if that's your, your way of choosing. But if that is your way of choosing, you get to this point and then you're, it's not that you're not able to win at this point it's just that you're not able yet to win at this point i think that's been proven for uh, uh for shabazian and putting him in there against someone like imiva uh I, why do i always fuck his name imavov i think it is too much he like imavov has uh, so many finishes he's very good wrestling he's a good striker like why can't we give him two or three fights to set him up to bring him back to this sort of level and, and at middleweight, you can absolutely do that. I just think this matchmaking doesn't make sense at all. What, what do you think? No, I I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, you know, he he probably deserved to get that test and go in there against, uh, and I'm talking about Shabazian now, yeah. um, against Derek Brunson. You know, yeah, he won. He was 10-0 and 0 going into that fight. He had beaten Jack Marshman, beaten Brad Tavares, good fighter too. So, you know, they throw him in against Derek Brunson. Well, he failed that like miserably. Like he got beaten pretty easily against Derek Brunson, which gave the indication that maybe he's not ready to fight these elite level guys. So, yeah, you should be pushing him back. But to put him in there next with Jack Hermanson, who is another really, really good fighter as well. And obviously, he lost that decision yeah, too. I thought that was bad matchmaking too. To yeah, me too. I thought, like, you know, after that Brunson fight is where what you need to do is take that step back then. But. And I have the question is, who's making these decisions? Is it his management team? Is it him himself? Is it the UFC? I mean, everybody, like, you need to be having a look at the people who are, your, who are around you because 
fighters are always going to think that they're going to win fights and sometimes they need to be prote- protected from themselves. Um, and I tell you, he doesn't have too easy of a task again, Imamov, here either. Um because he was he performed really good against uh, Ian Heinish the last time, who was a very durable guy. But Imamov went in there and made quite easy work with him over two rounds and got the finish in round two. So, I mean, you know, Shabazian could be fa- staring down the barrel of a gun of uh, three straight defeats, which which normally, in some cases, gives you your marching orders out of the UFC. So, this is a huge, huge fight for Shabazian. Yeah, I... I... I agree with everything you said there, and it's look, it's it's one of those. It's it's a big, big, uh, it's a big, big fight, and we we will see after, I suppose, uh, how well it goes for for him and for the UFC. Like, he, I don't think they will cut him. I think they'll give him another another opportunity just because of who he is, and you know, Ronda Rousey's his management and everything mm-hmm. like that. But you know, he won't be he won't be too far off. But anyway, we we believe that fight. We, we'll talk about it more obviously in the the podcast afterwards. Um, the other fight that sticks out to me before we get to uh to the main card, um, is Ally Quinta versus Bobby Greed. You know, Ally Quinta. Okay, he hasn't had the best time of it recently. Lost to Dan Hooker and Cerrone after beating Kevin Lee. It's fuck. That's three years ago now at this stage, and losing to Habib as well just before that. And Bobby Green, you know. He lost to Fazayev and Mises after going on probably the best run of his career when he beat uh, Alan Patrick, Landa Venata and Clay Guida. Um, so I do think this is good matchmaking. I think it's it's a good fight. Who who do you think will win this one? I, I like. I think it'll be a very close fight. I, I I think Bobby Green is a very good technical fighter. Maybe not the best tactical yeah. fighter in the world. And so is I. Like, no, always. Like, I mean, Bobby Green seems to be always in close fights. It's just the way he, like, you know, he's he is a tricky style of stand-up striking and, and he has some nice boxing and, um, you know, obviously he's good wrestling too. So this could very well turn out to be a, a good stand-up war between these two guys. And, yeah, I mean, it could be a flick of a coin. Ally Quinta, we've not seen him for for a little while. Um and he's coming back off the loss off two losses in a row against guys like Donald Cerrone and Dan Hooker. So I mean, he's he'll be eager to get back into the win column as well. And and this, if Ally Quinta comes in at the top of his game, this is a fight that he he's very capable of winning. But you know, he hasn't been all that active. We haven't seen him since October two thousand and nineteen. So he's had quite a long layoff. Some guys handle that well. Some guys don't handle it all that well. Being outside of the octagon, so you know. Bobby Green always finds himself in close fights, and that's a credit to his fight style. Uh, he's very not that easy to figure out when he's in the cage. He does have the ability to switch it up from his striking into his grappling as well. You know, he lost against Fizeyev last time, but Fizeyev, in my opinion, is a fantastic fighter and will go on to do to to beat some good guys in in I the agree. lightweight division. So, I mean, yeah, this is an interesting fight. Um, I'm curious. I, I always enjoy watching Ali Quinta fight, and I think he's funny. He does the old. Uh, 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 real estate stuff as well so you know it's uh, good to have Ally Quinta back as well um, and we'll have to put our, our earplugs in for Ray Longo's shouting in the corner keep breathing is Matt Sarah there is keep breathing keep breathing Chris <laughs> Put your fucking hole in his chest. I'm I'm great at impressions. I'm dying. Fucking, I'm so good at them. Like, You're not it's, bad. You're it's not bad at all. Now. My my best impression is um. If the MMA doesn't work out. You have a job in that yeah, anyway. Fucking Al Foran is actually shitting himself. Listening to me, honest to God. <laughs> but uh, my best impression is Krang from uh, the Turtles. Remember him? Remember that little, oh, I do, little yeah. brain lad? Yeah, that's my best impression so that's it that's all i have have you any good impressions go on give us one um give us an impression of henry sheffield there go on henry (laughs) sheffield i'm a fucking fucking shredder (laughs) that's a touchy subject (laughs) (laughs) he gave us 20 years of good service but fuck him (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't think now that that man would be able to walk down the streets of Kilkenny now too safely over the next little while. I mean, we were talking earlier, you don't do that to Kilkenny or Kerry, do you? It's like, oh, Jesus. No. Jesus, no. That'll, be, that'll be interesting. But I suppose that's a podcast yeah. for another day, I suppose. But, oh, God. Asher, no, no, no one will be limited to Kenny with something. Next, no. We need to start the Hurling podcast, genuinely. Like, we fuck class. But anyway, um, 
the main card in the UFC 26 um, <laughs> Shane against Billy Quarantilla that you know that's a fight with not much jeopardy but I still think that will be a good fight I think you know Quarantilla is good all around and he deserves that sort of a shot it's funny every time I see Billy Quarantilla I'm like oh he's kind of a new guy with like 8 or 9 fights and he actually he's more fights than Shane Burgos which is is a bit I don't mm-hmm. know it's, it's a bit weird just because did he come from the Contender Series yeah, he did, yeah. yeah in so. 2019 he was there he got a good win on that and yeah he's he, he's only he's only has one defeat in the UFC since he's joined and that was against Gavin Tucker um so yeah he he I would say that this would be a good step up for him in fighting Shane Burgess uh, tough guy is Shane Burgess great boxing uh, always in front of your face uh likes to bring the action um you know he's coming off two losses against Josh Emmett and Edson Barbosa which is like completely understandable two great fighters so you know he'll be eager to get back and and get a win under his belt again but uh, yeah this should be a really exciting fight I'd expect this to be fought at a fast pace and I expect some heavy shots to be landed on the feet on this as well that that Edson Barbosa knockout was the knockout where he was like knocked out 15 seconds after he was hit wasn't it that was only six yeah. months ago that feels like that feels like it was two years ago if you would ask me when that was i would have been like 2019 <laughs> it was only six months ago he hasn't taken that much time off that was a heavy fucking knockout like that was a brain crushing yeah. knockout it wasn't like you know it wasn't terry adams starting to knock out or a big like but it was it was one of those ones where i'm like oh you know Acu- like uh, there's a lot of uh, accumulated damage taken in that fight and yeah. then in round three it was just like Maybe his body just couldn't take any more. It was a, yeah, it was like a strange delayed reaction. It was like, yeah, yeah I'm over here. But yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just, he, he'll have, hopefully he's fully recovered. And um, yeah, this should be a great fight. He'll be hungry to get back into the win column too. 100, as the kids say. Frank Edgar against Cheeto Vera. Like, this is the fight, right? I think this is good matchmaking, to be honest. Uh, if Frankie's going to continue to fight, uh, Chita Vera, not the biggest knockout guy in the world, not the best fighter in the world. Uh, one of the few guys who is, I don't know, see in the rankings, I have them up in front of me at the moment, but one of the few guys towards the rankings anyway, which I would actually pick Frankie Edgar to beat, and which I think he will actually, actually beat at this stage of his career. But like, I know I'm, I, people mightn't think it, but I've been a big Frankie fan for 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 years, and you know, Stephen off Graham giving out about him. I just, I don't like seeing him fight anymore. It's just a little bit. I don't know. I just if he like if he gets knocked out in a fight like this against a, a, a fighter of the level of Cheeto Vera. Now, don't no disrespect Cheeto Vera. He's a good fighter, but he's not a Frankie Edgar level fighter. Um, as my good friend Andy Stevenson called Frankie the other day, washed Frankie Edgar, which was a little bit harsh. But uh, uh, this matchmaking is just like he's fighting the number thirteen ranked fucking Cheeto Vera. That's just not Frankie Edgar for me. I don't know. I, I, uh, it's a good fight it's a good fight but I just cannot g- this is the one fight you know, I can't really kind of get up for because I just just have a kind of every time Frank Yeager fights these days I just kind of have a sad feeling I don't know why I know why because uh, we've seen him getting sparked out against Corey Sandhagen and we've seen him getting sparked out against Korean Zombie as well uh, the Brian Ortega knockout was pretty bad too so I mean you know Frankie has been around for such a long time and like, even if you're to go back and way back to Frankie Edgar fights and even look at those two Gray Maynard fights and, and look at even the damage that he took in those two fights and looking 10 years later, he's still in there and fighting the uh, the best up-and-comers and the best fighters in the division as well. But I definitely agree with what, I, what you said in that, you know, if, if, if Frankie is unable to go in there and get the job done against Marlon Vera, he's got to be asking himself some serious questions. And if he gets knocked out against Marlon Vera, who wouldn't be known for for really devastating knockout power, I mean, then bigger questions are going to have to be asked again. Um, I I just I I'm kind of I enjoy watching Frankie Edgar fight. I I respect him as a fighter, but I just don't want to see him going in there and getting absolutely sparked out because you know the longer he prolongs his retirement, the more the more damage he's going to take and yeah. the more problems he's going to have down the line. Mm-hmm. And I just don't want to see that for him. I think he's a legend of the game. Um, he'll be a future UFC Hall of Famer for sure. Yeah. And I just, I, you know, that's that's mixed martial arts for you though. They don't know, fighters don't know when to, to, to step away, but this will be a good test for him and we'll see where he's at 
you know, there's no shame in losing by knockout to someone like Corey Sandhagen, a guy who's fight who's fought for the title. And um, you know, it'll be interesting to see. It, it, I, I'm, I'm happy it is Marlon Vera across from Frankie Edgar rather than anybody maybe a little bit higher in the division. Uh, indeed. Sorry, we had a uh, slight technical difficulties there, but we're uh, we're back again with uh, the good microphones and everything. Uh, and we move on. Justin Gaethje versus Michael Chandler. Ian, this is this is one of those fights where oh, it's it's it's. It's matchmaking. You're going, to have, you're going to have to put the kids to bed for this one, I'd say. <laughs> There'll be blood. There, there will be blood. If there was a film you'd name this after, there will be blood. I was getting a little bit anxious with, like, what Justin Gaethje was at. He hasn't fought since he lost, you know, rather embarrassingly and destructively to Habib Nurmagomedov. Or Habib came out afterwards and was like, oh, um... I uh, I I took it easy on this guy because he's fucking useless. Basically, I was like, "Oh Jesus, that's not the best in the world." And that was over a year ago. And he'd been on the sidelines, like, "Oh, I want the next title challenge and all." For a guy who has like great um, rapport with the fans or great, uh, great uh, the fans have a great opinion of him, I just don't think the last year has been good for him. And I think this could quickly change when he fights Chandler. Chandler only fought back in May against Charles Oliveira for the title. You know, after his UFC debut against Dan Hooker when he. Came him over uh, from Bellator where he beat the likes of Vincent Henderson and others like that but uh, this is like World Series of Fighting versus Bellator <laughs> in the UFC this has this has fun fight written all over it because like both guys good wrestlers who are willing to strike Michael Chandler maybe not the, the best striker in the world in terms of like a technical striker or even like a, uh, a three or four punch combination striker but he hits really fucking hard and he's well able to throw him whereas Justin Gaethje maybe is the to knock you out with ten punches rather than one punch which in itself makes for a fun fight this one is just this is fantastic isn't it Unreal. I cannot wait for this fight. I mean, Justin Gaethje has it all to prove. Like, you know, I found it strange myself a little bit the way he was kind of talking about probably being deserving of the, being the next getting another title shot. But like he got pretty destroyed against Khabib that time. So, you know, I took it some time off. Hopefully he went to work, got the, the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu gi on, start doing a little bit of work there. But that being said, I don't think he's going to have to use his Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu skills coming into this fight. Michael Chandler, really solid wrestler, is not privy to taking a, a guy down and putting him on his back. But uh, does like the stand and bang as well. Um, I would probably class Justin Gaethje uh, the better striker in this fight, but what Michael Chandler is so good, like you said, is that he's good at getting off his power punches. He doesn't need a bunch of punches. What he has the ability to do is cut off the cage excellently and get off those big strikes. So that's why he did so well against Dan Hooker. He'll be looking to do the same here. Uh, if you're Justin Gaethje here, one thing that I'm looking at uh, for him and could be a vital part of this fight is the leg kick. You know, he's known to throw those ca good calf kicks. We've seen Chandler before getting hurt with those calf kicks. So it'll be interesting to see if Justin brings that in or what Michael Chandler has done possibly to counter that. But this is going to be a bloody violent fight, uh, as all Justin Gaethje fights are really. Um, you know, I, I'm... I thought it was a good move for Michael Chandler to to come over to the UFC. I thought the timing was right. I think he does belong there. Um, you know, didn't have it all his own way in the title fight against uh, Oliveira. But, you know, this is his chance. And a win over Justin Gaethje puts himself right into the title picture again. So this fight has everything to play for. Yeah, I, I agree. And like as well, especially when you know, we're not too far away from Oliveira versus Poirier and... You know, Chandler hasn't fought Poirier. Justin Gaethje, um, okay, he fought him back in what is it, 2018 now? But it, you know, that's a that's a good bit. That's a good bit away from that fight. And if McGregor isn't going to be straight back uh, and probably get a title shot, which I think most people would probably be aghast at, but that will probably happen. Um, he might be putting himself next in line. So you know, it's it's a fantastic fight. It's one of those fights that. I don't I don't really think it needs much analysis. You know, we gave you the basic analysis of it there, but I just think two lads gone out there. Michael Chandler sitting down and he shots trying to knock him out. As you mentioned very well there, the leg kicks uh, are something which Gaethje will definitely be throwing here. He, he will be spamming those early and throwing them a lot at Michael Chandler, mm -hmm. I think. And uh, maybe Because that, that's going to take away the power of Chandler. It, yeah. That's why I reckon he's going to come in heavy with a, a leg kick game. And, you know... 
Chandler's movement forward and his ability to cough the cage is one of his best uh, um, assets as well coming into fights. So, I mean, that calf kick, and if he ha- if Gaethje has the ability to land that calf kick, it's going to take a lot of tools away from Michael Chandler and make yeah. it a very interesting fight. I, maybe it's time for a Chandler takedown early in that fight. So, you know, those leg kicks. Well, yeah. People are always talking about how do you find a way past those calf kicks? You know, fucking takedown will very quickly stop a lad drawing calf kicks, you know? So maybe that's the answer there. But however, I think that's I just I think it's going to be a fun fight and I, uh, I can't wait for it an awfully less predictable fight maybe is Roslam Yunus versus Zhang Weili uh, in a rematch of their fight which ended very quickly uh, via head kick KO for Roslam Yunus like I, I I like Rose an awful lot but I, I thought Zhang Weili was going to win their first fight and I was sorely mistaken it's sorely wrong like watching Zhang in her inner fights in the UFC so far, I, I found it very, very tough to see anyone, uh, not necessarily g- giving her a good match, but anyone be- beating her in a way like Rose and Yunus did it. And now, was, was it very good scouting, very good matchmaking, or sorry, very good, um, uh, very good tactics that she picked out that, or was it, or was it like, a fatal flaw in Jang because I and I, you know some people would say oh, it was a lucky kick I don't think it was that but it was either very good matchmaking or, or sorry very good uh, uh, tactics or are a big flaw and I'm not sure which it was if it was a big flaw if there are big flaws in Jang's game which I I'm not seeing I think Nami Yunus and our coach Trevor Whitman will probably find them again and I think that is the key to come in here because uh, coming in here sorry because when we saw Nami Yunus do the exact same thing against Joanna and Jacek. The next time Joanna kind of adjusted her game and Rose still won and she won by decision this that time. I'm wondering will it be that sort of fight again? I was expecting that sort of fight the first time with Jang winning. I wonder what it'll be this time. What do you, like do you think it'll be a longer fight? Do you think it'll be a better Jang performance or do you think Rose will just have her number again? I kind of think that we're going to see the fight that we were expecting to see maybe the yeah. first time. You know, I, I, I'm the the early knockout has thrown me into a loop because I was kind of the same as you in that I was really high on Zhang Weili. Um, you know, especially her performance against someone like Johanna. Um, that was a fantastic performance where she was moving forward and thrown with ferocity. She didn't even get the chance to get going against Rose Nama Yunus in the last fight when she was hit with that head kick. And I, I guess that's the biggest question is it like, does she have those kind of openings or has she corrected those mistakes in her game? Um, it, she, Zhang Weili talked a lot after the fight about uh, mentally struggling with the crowd booing and maybe some of the comments that Nama Yunus had said before the fight. So it'll be interesting to see if she's corrected that. Like we talked so greatly about Ian Gary's mental state and how important it is going into fights. And it's going to be important for Zhang Weili coming into this fight that she is mentally ready as well. Um, and, you know, I think it was Zhang Weili's, was it her first knockout loss of her career too? So, yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, you know, you don't know how fighters react after for a knockout is like that as well. So I think, you know, if we see the best Rose Nama Yunus and we see the very best Zhang Wei Li, this is going to be a phenomenal fight, and mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm hoping that it goes, it, it happens that way. I'd I'd love to see these two go at it for like five rounds in a in a really technical stand up battle. But you know, Rose on her game has power. Uh, you know. That was the, always the biggest question surrounding Rose was how mentally ready she was. And like I picked Zhang Weili the same as what you did in the first fight. But I have to admit, when I was looking at Rose Nama Yunus just mouting to herself before the first fight, I am the best. I am the best. I am the best. You you could tell she was in the zone. And I knew, oh, I, I, I knew it was going to be a tough fight, but I didn't expect it to end as early as it did. And it'll be interesting to see what this second fight um brings to us as well i think i think i would expect w- that we're going to see a longer fight than the first fight and i would expect that it would be a very exciting fast-paced stand-up battle too for however long it lasts for i agree i like i think i look i think if i was to break down this fight and look at it from a very kind of a basic point of view i think it will be nami Yunus trying to use her lint and speed against Zhang trying to use her power and speed. And what I mean by that is, like, I think Nam Yunus is very good at kind of 
coming in using her lint, like coming in with jabs, coming in with big left hooks after it, taking that step to the left or right hand side, slipping out under, you know, kind of Manny Pacquiao style, like he used to do so brilliantly back in the day. Where I think Yang uh, or Zhang is better at kind of beating the way right down through the middle, throwing shots inside, coming up to the body with a right hand over the top. Then I think, and that leads to. Um, <laughs> If anyone watched the BFL the last day, Magomed Karimov against uh, against Ray Cooper, like Magomed Karimov was throwing that kind of that backhanded uppercut uh, as the kind of the longer you know quick striker would at times. Now it can be very open, and the fighter kind of coming up through the middle with the power has that advantage all the time. If the person and the counter you know with the counters if the person fighting that long game doesn't fight perfectly so i really think nami Yunus, and it's funny to say it she was the one who got the knockout the last time i think she needs to be very care and a knockout right down the middle i think she needs to be very careful of the knockout this time because she really does have to be perfect now she has shown in the past that she can fight a perfect fight. There are very few fighters in the UFC that can do that, but she is one of them. She is technically and tactically brilliant, and that to me leads to a very, very fun fight. And like we, we, you know, I talk obviously a lot about judging and stuff. The the more um, I suppose aesthetically powerful shots do come from Yang. I think a lot of time if this is going to be a five round fight. But one one point I want, just want to make for I'll throw it over to you before we move on. I think I've talked a lot about Rosalind Muniz over the years and her mixing up her game. I would love to see a little bit more of the mixing up of it in terms of showing her jiu-jitsu off. Maybe going for a couple of takedowns if it goes long and trying to look for a submission. I, I just think she's a phenomenal submission fighter and the fact that she does nothing but stand up now is... It is a pity and it's not fighting to the fullness of your ability, I don't think. Um, and I would like to see another and now that is very much nitpicking and it's wanting to make a great fighter even more great but I, I think that's an interesting point there but what, what what do you think of the overall I suppose tactics of it uh, I mean like with Rose we don't know if she had that game plan maybe going into the first fight she might have had that in her back pocket you know but it, the fight didn't materialise and it was over after like a minute and 18 seconds like so no, as fight tactics go you know, it's definitely important for Rose and Amiunas to switch it up. I, I, I think I agree with what you're saying in the more powerful shots will be from Zhang Weili, and that will stand to her if this turns into a stand-up battle. Uh, one thing I'm also very curious to see is, is how well Rose and how much her output is in the later rounds, because if we remember the last decision that she went to with was with Jessica Andrade. And she kind of faded a little bit in that fight where she kind of got a little bit tired of coming into the third round and Andrade came back into the fight. So, you know, if that happens in this fight and Zhang Weili is still there in front of her, you know, that could be in trouble for Rose Nama Yunus too because, you know, we know Zhang can go hard for five rounds. We've seen her do that against Johanna. And, you know, that's the... I think if you're Zhang Weili's team, what you're doing here is that you're, you're, you're going to be wanting to bring this fight into the later rounds. So... I wouldn't be opening up all that much. I wouldn't be moving forward all that much if I'm Zhang Weili. I'd be waiting to kind of see what happens and how maybe what Rose's output is later into the fight, how her cardio is doing. You know, there's there's lots of factors in this fight. I'm really excited to see this rematch. You know, people aren't people aren't too caught up on, and I guess we have like two kind of rematches in a row, but people are are not really too caught up in immediate rematches. Sometimes fighters get them, sometimes fighters don't. But I definitely think this is a, a you know, Carla Esparza may feel a little bit hard done by, and that's completely understandable. But I think after such a quick knockout and the way Zhang Weili was looking before that knockout and before she lost her title, I think she she, she definitely deserves to get this second shot at it. And uh, it's going to be a tremendous fight, and mm -hmm. I can't wait to see what happens in it. I, I don't know do I necessarily agree with, agree with the deserving bit, but I do agree that that it's going to be a fantastic fight and that I'm looking forward to just your point as well on, on Rose and I think they, it's an interesting point I don't think it's a, a cardio issue more so than like I think it's more mentally taxing than physically taxing just to fight that mm -hmm. that sort of fight for five rounds is very very tough or even for three rounds so you you, may, you do make a good point there in fairness that 
you know, maybe she will struggle to keep up just her game over uh, over the five rounds. And if Yang is still there at, at that point, maybe she can, can come on late. So it's interesting. Like, I think a lot of people would probably say the opposite and would probably say it, favor, it favors um, uh, Rose to go along. But I think that could be an interesting point. And especially if, if uh, Zhang tries to be a little bit more careful in the first round. Like, probably we were thinking, oh, Rose needs to, to quell the storm early, I suppose, in the first fight, but it was the other way around, and maybe uh, it'll be yeah. it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But anyway. And, and it's also inter- it's also interesting to see with, with Jang because, you know, if you are trying to push a pace, that means you do kind of have to, like, move forward and fight your own fight. But then if you're in danger of getting hit with those big shots moving forward, like, it's, it's just a couple of... There are going to be a couple of in-fight decisions that both of these fighters are going to have to make. And I mean, it, it'll be whoever makes the correct decision on the night or the correct adjustment. It's a, They're two really, really skilled athletes and, and it's going to be, it has potential to be a really close fight. It has potential for either fighter to knock each other out early. And I don't know, there's one number of many ways that this fight could go. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a belter. 100 uh, right, the main events: <laughs> Colby Covington against Kamaru Usman in the in the uh, the rematch. I was going to say an immediate rematch for Colby, but he fought fucking Tyron Woodley. I don't remember that at all. It was over, it was <laughs> over a year ago. Um, obviously, Usman has fought against Masvidal twice and Burns as well in the middle. So he's had three fights uh, since their fight in 2019. It, I don't know where time goes, but it doesn't feel uh, feel that long. My, look, my take on this fight uh, is is. I hope it's the fight I was hoping for the first time. Now, the fight we got the first time was a very good fight, but it wasn't the fight I was hoping for. I was hoping for an absolute battle on the ground, a battle of wrestling with Colby trying to push the pace and trying to pull him down and get him to the ground because that's the way Colby wins. I think Colby's one of the most underrated strikers in the UFC. I think he's a good striker, not a great striker, but people think he's trash. Absolutely not. Usman is a brilliant striker. He has improved massively since their first fight as a striker, as a technical striker. And I think Colby needs to fight a wrestling fight here. He has to try to take Usman down. And even if he doesn't take him down, and I sincerely mean this as someone who talks about judging all the time, he cannot let it get into a fight that isn't a battle. He needs to push him against the cage. He needs to beat the fight out of him and that's the way Colby wins I don't think he can do it I, I I thought this was a very even fight the first time now I favor Usman hugely and I've you know people can talk about Colby and Usman and you know neither of them are maybe the most likable guys in the world but as fighters both of them are very good in, in different sort of ways but I, I struggle to see Colby winning this. I and one of the main reasons I struggle to see him win it, okay, is the, the technique and I think the 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 uh, the ability of Usman as I mentioned has improved an awful lot since the first fight. But the way Colby just fought, I thought the completely wrong fight the first time around. It's hard to see him changing that wholly again because we don't normally see that. What, what's your take on, on the yeah, whole thing? Uh, I agree when I, I like I. I think that he needs to mix it up quite a lot more than what he did in the first fight. But at the same time, Colby Covington is going to come into this fight with the mentality. And he's been saying it time and time again. I don't know how how he truly feels about it, but if he truly feels what he's been saying and he reckons he was winning that first fight before he got finished and it was a super close fight too. But if he has that mentality that he won that first fight or he was winning that first fight before it stopped, like... In his in his mind, is he going to want to change up anything? I think if there's one advantage that Colby Covington has over Kamara Usman, and and that is, I think, a little bit in slight slight speed advantage on the feet, which we kind of seen a little bit in the first fight. But I mean, if you're going to try and grapple with somebody like Kamara Usman, he's like a concrete wall. He's just so strong in the clinch, and and nobody has really got their way when when it comes to the wrestling with Kamara Usman and. I also agree what you said when I I believe his striking has jumped leaps and bounds. And I mean, I, I've been watching Kamara Usman since he competed on The Ultimate Fighter and I've seen he's come up in the UFC and he's a guy who always looked in control of his fights. And like I went, I got to a stage where he was like winning decision after decision. And I and I always thought that Kamara Usman was a was a, a really, really, really good fighter. But to become a great fighter and to become an elite fighter, he needed to notch up a couple of finishes. And he's done that in his last couple of fights. You know, he's got that finish 
against um, Colby Covington and then he got, took that short notice fight with Masvidal who he went on to knock out and then he got the knockout over Gilbert Burns and I guess that's the first time we've seen a little bit of adversity for Kamara Usman where he did get clipped by Burns early on and got a little bit hurt but you know he he composed himself and he got back he got himself back into that fight and went on to get the finish in the end so it shows it shows on top of everything else that he's improvement that he does have heart and when his back is against the wall he does have that ability to to kind of get himself out of trouble and and to turn the tide of a fight but I think that we're going to see a similar enough fight that we've seen the first time I think that two of these guys wrestling will kind of neutralize each other and that will result in a stand-up fight and I think that Colby Covington fancies himself as uh, as a better striker than Kamara Usman and you know maybe he is in certain areas but what what Usman has is he has that ferocious power and if he and and his work with Trevor Whitman has kind of brought that into fruition now because you know he can get himself into these positions where he can land these powerful shots and he's doing some serious damage I mean that knockout of Jorge Masvidal in the last fight was 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 brutal like Masvidal was out and Masvidal isn't the guy I think that was Masvidal's first knockout of his career if I'm not mistaken so I mean he's not an easy guy to knock out either so you know, if Colby Covington, he got hit quite a bit in the first fight too. Will he be able to d- maintain that level of damage again coming into the second fight? Or if Kamara Usman puts himself in better positions to land his powerful shots, I think Colby Covington might could get into a little bit of trouble yeah. in the later stages of this I, fight. But I, I agree. I'm really excited to see it go down. I, 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 think, I think Colby I think will be finished. That, I, I do. I think uh, yeah. Usman's going to finish him this time. It's just because I I think he will too. Mm-hmm. I think he will too because he's going to want to. He's going to want to make look. He got the finish in the fifth round again. He's going to look to either, either equal that or better that again. Because you know, if you're an elite fighter, that's that's the kind of stuff that's going to get you motivated. You know, you want to better your performances before. And obviously, there's a lot of animosity between these two guys as well. So you know, that adds a little bit of extra spice into this fight. But 100%. you know, Colby Covington is a is a is a fantastic fighter. I mean, he's outside of the cage antics are uh, ridiculous at times. Are whatever, probably worse than ridiculous with some of the stuff that he's saying. But you know, probably. That kind of those kind of actions outside of the cage has kind of turned fans against him, but have kind of put blinkers on some fans on what kind of a fighter that he is. Because yeah. you know, no matter what happens outside the cage, when the cage door is locked, there's no doubt about it that Kofi Covington is an elite welterweight, and and I, I think that he will. The first two to three rounds will be very interesting in this fight, but I think that Usman is is going to have his way in the in the championship rounds and try to get Colby Covington out in either round four or round five again. Yeah, I I, I would agree, but I I I don't think there'll be that many even rounds in this. Like I I think Colby like I think Colby needs to have the belief which I have right now is that Usman is going to tear him apart, and I think that is the way. If Colby believes that Usman is going to tear him to shreds. That's the way Colby can win the fight because he has to fight that way. He's to fight as if he's fighting for his life at all times. He just has to make this a dirty fight, an old school Randy Couture dirty boxing. Hold him. Go every time they separate. Go for a takedown or push him against the cage. Refuse to give him any space for twenty five minutes nonstop, Chael Sonnen style. He has to do it. That's the way he wins the fight. If he doesn't do that, Usman is going to beat him up. And he's going to beat him up bad. And I think that's what's going to happen. I just think Usman's going to jab the face off him. He's going to uh, come through uh, and land one-twos down through the middle. Hurt him badly. Cut him open and finish him. I, I think, it. you know, you might be right. It might be later. I think it'll be the mid midpoint of the fight-ish. But uh, look, I can't wait. I think it's going to be a fun fight. Uh, and I think this is going to be a really, really fun card. What, what a, what a busy Just one night, question though. before. Yeah? I just, I'd love to know, right... Usman goes in and he gets the job done against Colby Covington. What do you do with him next? I don't know. Who's there? So he's fought like, like Leon Edwards. He's everybody. Leon Edwards is fighting. Who's Leon Edwards yeah. fighting? Oh, Masvidal? of course. Of, he wins that. of course. Yeah, Leon Edwards would be the next one maybe that he would go in, up against. But I think challengers are, are running out at welterweight for Kamaru Usman. And uh, I think in 2022, we might see a move up into the middleweight division for Kamaru. I know... Israel Adesanya, fellow Nigerian, they've both said that they they don't want to fight one another. But I'm saying let's throw a bag of money at these two guys and let's get it on for a, a champ versus champ. It yeah. would be a fucking fantastic fight, and I'd I hope that it happens. I think if Usman stays doing what he's doing, um, 
you know, he's going to start beating guys twice or three times. I think the motivation levels might want a little bit for, for him wanting to do that. And that might kind of, that kind of might teeter him towards maybe making a move up to the middleweight division and go up there, maybe try and challenge Izzy or whoever the champion yeah. is at that time. Uh, Vicente Luca is on the way up as well. Probably by the time we've listened to this, Shabayev has won and he's on his way up. So there, there are a few coming, but I, I would agree. I've thought for a while as well that maybe moving up might be his, he's a, you know, he's a big, a big guy. For, it's a pity Habib wasn't still around because Habib versus Usman is another fight I'd love to see, but oh, Habib yeah. wasn't on about moving up. But anyway, we, look, we leave it at that. Busy night for uh, for Trevor Whitman. Usman in the main event, Rosenham Yunus in the co-main event, and the third fight from the top, Justin Gaethje. So that guy has got to be fucking non-stop. I wonder if he's working the UFC desk as well. We, we <laughs> have to see with that. But uh, <laughs> I can't wait for UFC 268, uh, 3 a.m. Oh, no, do you know what? It's actually 2 a.m., I think, because the times are changing back over here in Ireland. So we have a little bit of an earlier uh, start time for this. And obviously, you, Ian, you over in uh, over in Canada can watch it at, at your normal time. But anyway. Prime time. Prime time, indeed. Follow Ian at IONeal MMA over on Twitter. I Ian's absolutely brilliant on loads of podcasts with me over on Patreon so if you want to sign up and hear more from the two of us that is the place to do it follow me at Sean Sheehan BA at Severe May and at Severe May Pod send in your questions uh, for the Q&A and as I said sign up on Patreon as well we, this was supposed to be like a 20 minute podcast it turned into an hour what can you do thanks everyone for listening I'll see you all next time good luck <laughs>